Welcome, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anyone interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work they do right here in Iowa. This is Iowa Innovation, powered by NuboCo and sponsored by Nymaster Good, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Rob Merritt, and I am joined today by Aaron Horn, who is the executive director of NuboCo. Aaron, this is your first time on the show. Welcome to the studio. Longtime listener, first time co-host. Well, I hope we live up to your expectations. Uh, no, we're excited to have you here, especially because today we're going to be chatting with Robert Abbott, who is the founder and executive director of Innovate 120. And uh, I'm going to be meeting him for the first time today. But Aaron, you've you've known Robert for a while. Yeah, this is one of those situations where someone says, "I know someone that you need." to meet and I love those conversations um, and so did go out to Makokata and met Robert and his team and kind of saw what he's doing you can hear more about that um, but honestly he's he's a real visionary in Makokata and I think you know every community needs a Robert well we're super excited to have him in here and chat with him so with that let's innovate Iowa As it has ever since our first episode, this show is sponsored by Nymaster Good, Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. Nymaster's cutting-edge, positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than 100 years. And a big reason for that is because there's so many different areas that startups need to get some legal consultation in. We've talked about a number of them uh, throughout the past two seasons. And uh, Aaron, I know that in the position that you're in, you've worked with so many startups, and so you've probably seen a lot of common needs come up. What are some of the most common pressing needs that a startup needs to figure out legally before they really can get going? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of times it has to do with uh, maybe contracts with uh, customers or suppliers. It might have something to do with um, even just formation. Like, do, do we set up as an LLC? Should we be a C-Corp? Should we be an Iowa company? Should we be a Delaware company? How does that all work? And what are some of the criteria that they have to figure out? Like, if you want to be an LLC or a C-Corp, like, how do you kind of be figure out, oh, this one's right for me or this one's right for me? Well, there's a lot that goes into it, which is why we tell them to talk to a lawyer. So uh, that's why, you know, Nine Master Good's a uh, great resource for them. It's one of the first things we'll tell any, um, you know, any startup is make sure you start off with a, a good lawyer contact. And Nymaster Good's a great one to go with. With more than 70 practice areas, Nymaster has attorneys with expertise in all areas of the law, including corporate structure, capital raising, intellectual property protection, tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law, government uh, relations, litigation. Uh, there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot to think about, and Nymaster Good has them all covered. Yeah, you bet. Visit Nymaster.com. That's N-Y-E master.com to learn what Nymaster Good can do for you. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Aaron, you've known Robert for a while. How what, how did you get connected to Robert? Yeah, so we actually met. I think Robert found us um, and talked to uh, David Heyer uh, Jackson at County. Jackson County um, Economic Development and said, "Hey, there's this group called Nuboco in Cedar Rapids. We need to talk to them. We should, you know, find out more about them." And it just so happens that there was a rural Iowa event going on in Ames. And I was there for just kind of like the networking piece. And uh, I saw some people sitting at a table. I was like, hey, is the seat taken? Can I sit here? They're like, yeah, sure. So I introduced myself and it was David and his eyes got huge. He's like, I've been meaning to connect with you. There's this guy in Makokata that I have to introduce you to. Uh, so it was kind of funny how that all worked out. But 
So over in Makokata, you've actually started something new called Innovate 120. That's right. Um, can, before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts in that, can you just kind of tell us in a nutshell what Innovative 120 is? Innovate 120, and I'll, I'll use just you know the, 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 the standard description of it, is a work experience and innovation hub. And what that means primarily is that we wanted to bring innovation to Jackson County. We wanted to look for ways that we could inspire both young and old, get them engaged in a number of ideas, and I think ultimately, at least down the road, a bit of really being a catalyst for starting new businesses and growing the environment. And uh, as I recall, you are going to be in um, a rather vintage bank building. Uh, that's, that's correct. That's where you're going to be located. Can, how did that come about? How did, how did that become your home? Yeah, you have to be careful who you call sometimes. <laughs> the <laughs> So at the time, I was based in Ohio. I'm from Maquoketa originally. I grew up there, went to high school, and uh, had, had always been thinking about ways in which uh, I could come back to Maquoketa and contribute some of my experience and some of my resources. And uh, I had been building uh, a design thinking and entrepreneurship program at a university in Ohio, in Ohio at Denison University, and uh, was thinking about ways in which I could bring the models we had developed there back to Maquoketa. And I, I called uh, a colleague of Dave Heyer, Nick, Nick Hockenberry, who was the director of the Jackson County Economic Alliance at the time, and uh, to ask him some questions about entrepreneurship. What are you guys thinking about? Do you have any programs in play? Uh, what are some of your goals? What What's missing for the county? And he, you know, instantly we, we developed a relationship, started talking about uh, what he wanted to do. And he had talked about some conversations they had had, but they lacked, you know, the programmatic infrastructure. They lacked the, the physical spaces. Uh, so we continued our conversation. It just so happened that there was a 1920 historic bank that U.S. Bank had had for sale that was for sale. And be careful careful what you wish for. At the end of all of that, we were owners of this 10,000-square-foot bank. Um, but, you know, a, a building like that often is hard to sell. But for our purposes, it, it meet both of those requirements, an amazing co-working environment because it's already set up with 14 offices, conference rooms, open space, things like that. Um, but it's uh, it would also be a great event space for us. You know, it's 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 hard to miss. It's this beautiful terracotta white bank on Main Street, and it was a perfect place for us to begin bringing energy downtown. So when you say event space, like what sorts of events could you envision uh, taking place there? Mm -hmm. So a good example, I don't know how far you want to get into some of these, but that's the innovation hub piece of it. So uh, running different types of programs from something that might be an hour to something that might be six weeks or more uh, to engage the community on different topics. So one of, one of them, and it's, it's something that Aaron and I were talking about earlier today because we both ran programs in the Future Ready Iowa's internship, um, uh, using our facility to engage kids over the summer uh, with UX design. And, and turn them loose on innovating for some global clients that we work with. Yeah, you. I know that one of the components of Innovate is uh, you have a program of scholarships set up for high school students. Mm -hmm. uh, and and how, did, how did that come about, and what exactly would those students be studying as part of that scholarship? Yeah, so, you know, when you take on an effort like this, uh, 
sometimes the hardest thing is to figure out where to start. And one of the things that came up very early was Iowa Workforce Development published a grant opportunity called the Summer Youth Internship Program. And, and one of the things that the governor had called out as, as its purpose was to introduce kids to career opportunities they wouldn't otherwise know about. And my whole background is on the design side for user experience design and strategy. So it was natural for us to say, well, as a career opportunity, uh, UX design isn't something that many of these students would know anything about. They, they know what UX is because they use devices and software all the time, but they wouldn't know how that thing comes, comes to life. So that became the basis for us to develop this program to introduce these kids over six weeks to the fundamentals of UX design and then turn them loose with that newfound knowledge on real projects for real clients. Um, I was going to ask you, by the way, where did the name of Innovate 120 come from? So it's really two-part. One, you know, the, the focus on innovation, because we we're trying to at least disarm the community to say, okay, we're, we're looking at doing some new things here, and we want to focus on innovation. Um, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. The 120 piece can have m multiple meanings. The 120 comes directly from, it's at 120 South Main, as we found financially, 120 means a lot of things. The original 100 was 120 based in financial history. Hmm. I don't know how that works, but we'll take it. Um, but it also meant, you know, let's, let's find ways to achieve and go beyond what a lot of the community thinks is possible. And even this summer, uh, the last two summers, we've been able to realize that. Well, one of the reasons we were excited to bring you on the show is that we have been talking a lot in past episodes about the importance of bringing innovation and supporting entrepreneurs in the smaller communities in Iowa. That, yep. You know, so many people talk about what's going on in Des Moines or in Cedar Rapids, and there are great things happening there, but there are really exciting things happening in other communities as well. And, uh, and Innovate 120 is a, a perfect example of, uh, of Makokita doing something to support entrepreneurs there. Um, Aaron, I, I know that we've done a lot with our new uh, community partnership pilot program and that that's one of the goals there is to try and you know come in that same kind of support. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in that area and kind of how that that dovetails with uh, with with what Robert is doing in Makokita? Yeah, sure. Um, so we have uh, Nubico has new community partnership pilots that we're doing, um, partially kicked off and funded by a grant from IEDA. Uh, and the first two communities that uh, came on board were Mount Pleasant and Mason City. And specifically, the idea is, you know, economic developers are uh, trying to figure out how do we breathe new life into these areas? What are the gaps? What can we bring in um, as kind of resources? And, and they start to see some of the things that we're doing in Cedar Rapids with Delta V Code School and the Iowa Startup Accelerator and Kiva Iowa and, and all of these different things. Um, and we started getting requests from folks like, well, uh, how could we bring some of that to our you know, to our region. And so that was kind of what kicked off this idea of, well, uh, you know, we, we don't think one size fits all for all communities. Everybody has their unique needs. So the first thing we did is we dove in and said, okay, what are the unique challenges that you're having in Mount Pleasant? Or what do you think the gaps are in Mason City? And so after having some of those conversations, we were able to say, well, uh, you know, if 
tech talent is, you know, the big problem or recruiting tech talent locally, uh, we have Delta V Code School. Um, and so we could bring Delta V into Mason City if we partner with IAC JPEG, for example, um, and we could actually have them on campus. Same thing in Mount Pleasant. But not only could we do that at somewhere like Iowa Wesleyan, um, but we already have existing partnerships with the Department of Corrections. What if we brought some Delta V training inside of the, the facility that's down there in, in Mount Pleasant as well? Um, so just kind of thinking about how would it be easy for us to take something that already exists so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and build something brand new and bring it into that community. So when we very first heard about uh, Robert and what was going on in Makokita, we got in the car and drove over there and said, okay, first show us this cool space uh, and then talk to us about what are the gaps that you're seeing in Makokita or just Jackson County uh, in general and what are some of the things that maybe we could work together on. So even earlier today, Robert and Chuck came out and they went to 1 million cups, uh, you know, this morning and thought about what would it be like to have something like a 1 million cups in Makokita. Um, then they came over to, to Nubokel and we sat and we chatted about uh, the summer youth internship program. So we had done one of those as well with Delta V. Uh, ours was specifically for um, training kids how to do help desk jobs, careers. Um, Knowing that, you know, it's a little bit different than what Delta V typically does, which is usually aimed at adult career changers, get them into this career right away. With high school, we're assuming, you know, a lot of them are even juniors. They're not they're not even graduating yet. They're not going to just jump right into uh, a help desk career, but it shows them and exposes them to, you know, that career as as an option. Um, and if they decide that that's not a great fit for them, that's fine. Um, you know, at least they've got that experience. So ours is also a six-week program. We had 12 students that, that went through that. Um, but after One Million Cup this morning, Robert came over and said, okay, well, you've got this going on with Delta V. We've got this going on with UIUX. Um, and, you know, friend of the show, Jess Bertling at Nuboco, uh, also sat in with us and chatted about what would it look like to do something like what's going on in Makokita and do that simultaneously potentially next year in Cedar Rapids? I don't know. So, you know, we didn't land on on this is exactly what we're going to do, but it's that kind of brainstorming about, well, yeah, of course, that gap exists here as well. How could we leverage these partnerships and do more together? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, listening to Aaron talk, one, one of the things that's come up a lot, because we're both in the tech space, but we come at it from different angles. Mm -hmm. And when people talk about technology, primarily most people usually think about code, but that's that's part of the equation, the other part of the equation. So that's about what gets built, but the front part of it is what are we building, who are we building it for, and why? And that's where the UX strategy comes in. So together, uh, Aaron and I, I, we think we can cover the spectrum and add a lot of value and, and hopefully bring new job opportunities in a place that can really capitalize on it and, and bring a lot of talent to it. Can you talk more about that as far as what are the best, especially in your, you know, your summer youth internship program that you ran for the last two years, mm -hmm. what were the benefits to the students? And then on the flip side, what were the benefits that the clients themselves saw? Yeah. So, you know, it, we knew we were potentially setting up a pretty big challenge. And with the students, they were coming in with zero knowledge of UX, uh, certainly coming in with zero knowledge of, the client challenges that were going to be presented to them. And, you know, our goal isn't necessarily to push these kids through the program in, in hopes that they all become UX designers. Uh, what we do hope they do is develop their critical thinking skills, develop their collaboration skills, develop their, most importantly, maybe their communication skills, and put them in situations where they're challenged way beyond what they normally would be in any high school setting. So, 
um, as, as Aaron was alluding to, they, they had a project that they had to develop for these clients. And at the end of the day, deliver a high-level presentation to a senior leader at a multi-billion dollar company. That is an incredible opportunity for any high school kid, but the exposure that it gave to the students who've been through our cohorts has been invaluable. And we've and I've, I've seen many comments back from them how that's affected their trajectory. Conversely, to ask, answer Aaron's other question about the clients, they've, I mean, frankly, they've been blown away by their interaction with these sophomores, juniors, and seniors who are taking on really big questions for some of these clients. Like, how do you address uh, the population health needs of underserved rural youth? Well, that's a pretty complicated phrase, but our students broke it all apart and basically understood that what high school athletic fields need is a uh, concussion protocol application that can be used by anyone who's non-medical. Now, there's a lot of backstory to how that came to develop, but the complexity that the students were able to take on and and literally delight the clients was amazing. And that's, that, I mean, that's what keeps us going. When you talk to some of these kids, um, the high school age kids, and, and they're getting into programs like this, um, do they sound like they want to leave Iowa and go do something somewhere else? Or do you have kids that are like, no, I want to stay here. I just want to find more opportunities to do work like this here in Iowa. I don't know if any of them really thought that much about it. Um, and, but, but part of our role is to get them, frankly, to think bigger from here, not to leave here and then think big. Yeah, that's um, kind of why I was curious, because yeah. obviously that's the goal, is that you don't want kids to think in order for me to further my career, I've got to get out of the state. You want to have opportunities yeah. here that allow them to grow and pursue their dreams like right here in Iowa. Yeah, so you know, one of our clients this summer, the last few summers, was Google, the, the Google. And um, they're interacting over video conferencing with senior leaders from Google who are developing the same tools we use every day, Google Meet, uh, Google Slides, you know, all the workspace tools. Um, they have a front row seat to that, um, and not even in a passive way. They're also interacting with other folks around the country that they interview to gain insight for their particular project. So uh, if, if anything, we've modeled that the ability to do all of that amazing work from here is no longer a question for them at all. And, and hopefully it'll set up the desire to say, I want to do that, but I don't have to go to the big city. Um, I'm already in it, so <laughs> to speak. <laughs> Um, now, in, in addition to Innovate 120, um, you also work with uh, Context Digital. Can you yep. can you talk about that a little bit, what that involves? Yeah, so Context Digital is a digital strategy and design firm. So it's something that I started uh, about seven years ago, and it reflects my competency of my whole career being in UX. I've, I've built and sold a number of UX design firms, and this is this is the one that we're, we have now. The it's the core competencies from context which drive our ability to to work uh, on this internship and the level we do. It also is what allows us to bring these client relationships to bear. So from GAF, Scotch Miracle Grow, Up Health, all which are global companies, um, to Google, uh, our our professional relationships benefit um, the internship and, and what the students are able to do. You know, and we were talking before about, you know, the importance of 
supporting entrepreneurs in small communities and, and building programs like this. What are some of the most frustrating roadblocks you find yourself running into when you're working on a goal like that? Wow, there's probably a few. <laughs> I uh, mean, is it more internal, like like the infrastructure of of the town, or is it more external, like the impressions that people outside of the community have, or or the ability to connect to those places? Uh, I think you start off with a lot of people not really knowing what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't want, it doesn't really help to have academic discussions or descriptions of what you're trying to do. The best thing is just to do it. <laughs> and in our case, it's probably why we started with uh, the younger ages with the high school students, because it was a way for us to get momentum and at least demonstrate, in some cases, directly into families and to parents, here's the value that we're creating. Because if they can see transformation in their own kids, that conversation about what we're doing is a lot shorter. Um, so it's it, it, it's been a process of uh, trying to find where do we feel like we can make some successful impacts, and, and the internship programs have been a good start for us. As we th- the, the, the big challenge that faces us is how do we scale that up to adult audiences? And that's when you start to get into schedule constraints and finding, you know, maybe... Uh, simpler on-ramps for people to get started and engage so that you could start to build that conversation. It's, it's harder to move older folks out of their established patterns, but not impossible. Yeah, we've been trying to do that with, with Delta V. You know, that's one of our big selling points with, uh, with that coding school is the idea that you can be somebody who's spent 20 years working in a completely different career and you're just looking mm-hmm. for a way to kind of restart and, and do something different. Um, I know that we've marketed in the past to like empty nesters, people who finished raising their kids and they're like, well, now what do I do? And there's this opportunity right here where you could in six months learn an entirely new career, which is weird for some people to even think about the idea that, that a, you could do a complete pivot at such a late point in your life and, and B that you could do it into a career that would be, uh, you know, really high demand and productive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, it's always, but it's always tricky to figure out how to best communicate that to people or how to get them to know, hey, there's this opportunity that you should try. And uh, I mean, Aaron, I know you've had those conversations for years now uh, working with Delta V. Um, have there been any like light bulb moments that you've seen for people where, uh, where, they, where they go from, yeah, I don't, I don't know, to, oh, wow, this, this could be right for me or this could work? Um, and how do you get to that point with them? Yeah, usually the way we approach it with Delta V is we give them some sort of a teaser class or some sort of an intro. So mm-hmm. we have what we call Delta V 101s, which are just a one-day full day, like, you know, 8 to 5 or 9 to 4 or something like that, um, where you're just learning HTML and CSS. And I kind of joke that it's it's kind of a weed-out class, but, you know, in a very positive way. Like, mm-hmm. you might determine this is not for you, and that's totally fine. Um, but for those people that they're not quite sure, sometimes that one day spending a whole Saturday building a website and then having that product at the end of it that they can show their friends and family gets them hooked. And they're like, yep, this is what I've been looking for. So sometimes you just don't know until you tried it. So kind of to your point of, we could talk about, you know, the possibilities all day, but until you just try it, um, and see if, see if it's right for you, you you just don't know. I'm very happy in my job at New Book what I'm doing right now, but I did take that code 101 early on, just so that I would have a better sense of what it is that, that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I emerged from that one day class going, if I didn't have something else already going on, this would be fascinating. I mean, mm-hmm. because it very much is, you know, programming is one of those things that 
uh, people think, oh, you know, I've got to have a whole bunch of math skills. I've got to be, you know, very, very clinical. And, all. and it's like, actually, what you really want to have is a lot of creativity. You have, yeah. want to have the ability to come at something and be like, I have a problem and I want to solve it. And I need to find some creative ways to do that. And, and if that sort of thing appeals to you, or if you're the kind of person that likes putting a puzzle together, then all of a sudden, you know, coding is a very viable career path for you. Uh, and in my case, I was like, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to do more of this. I don't have time to do more of this, but I would love to if I did. Because uh, it's just really fascinating what's going on out there right now. I think I need to come and take one of these classes. Yeah, you, know, you do. Sure. You do. Come, come well, down. You know, my only intro to, to programming was back when I was at UNI, and, and knowing that the technology wave was coming, I, I initiated myself by taking an intro to Fortran. Mm, yeah. And uh, let's Fun just say stuff. I didn't do very well. <laughs> so I stuck with design. Yeah, that's great. Well, so but, do you have, are there like preconceived notions? So, you know, we, we run up against stereotypes all the time of like, well, I can't be a coder because I'm not good at math or, you know, stuff like that. Do you have that in UX or, or do you even have to take a step further to explain what, well, I, what UX even is? Like, this is what user experience actually means. You know, how do yeah, you... bringing up UX, you almost always have to explain it, even though anyone who uses digital products is is experiencing the outcome of that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we found effective for UX is that the the honor app is is it's not as steep. You know, code sometimes, and I'm not gonna. If I took your class, I would wouldn't answer this the same way. <laughs> um, it, it's easier to grasp some of the fundamentals and get going. Like, mm -hmm. so for example, um, you know, we're not worried about creating code and testing it and making sure it works. We're thinking more conceptually. Again, it's the front end of the entire process where mm -hmm. we're going to really vet the opportunity, understand the users, understand the need, understand the clients, and then conceptualize an experience that in some ways we're just literally drawing pictures to explain it, um, which then as it develops, moves into a code development stage later on. And those, mm -hmm. those two pieces fit very, very well together when they, when they work properly. But we found that we didn't have problems getting these high schoolers into thinking about these concepts. They, they generally understood it, and that, and that allowed them to go pretty far. That's awesome. Um, can you talk a little bit about the resources you were able to utilize in getting some of these things off the ground, whether it's the building itself or the summer youth internship program, what kind of resources did you take advantage of to make so this happen? That that's a great question, and, and sometimes people will say, "Well, how, how we see where the program ended, how did it get going?" Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that has been really energizing for me are all the resources that exist in Iowa. So obviously, um, the grant was important to fund um, the internship itself, but buying the building meant that we were referred to ECIA who helped with low interest financing. Um, we've now run a number of programs, have been re referred to the network of superintendents and school districts in the county. It, it, one, all of those relationships make it possible, but it also brings momentum to the program because then now everybody has a vested interest. And, you know, if you use those resources and, and produce an outcome that everybody can look at and be proud of. Um, it just sets up for, for more investment and more activity as you go. Yep. So there's something we've talked about a number of times on this show, and I'm going to, I'm curious what your perspective is going to be on it because you've been involved in a number of ventures that required kind of a leap of faith, uh, kind of a gamble. Um, we talk a lot on the show about failing forward. The idea that mm -hmm. you cannot 
advance if you're not willing to fail. That you know the people who are terrified of failure will never make progress. Um, have you had any examples in your career of something that it didn't work, but you learned something from it, or it allowed you to then go forward to something that did work? Um, has that ever happened in your career? Never. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, we've had a number of setbacks in, you know, specifically client work where, you know, we we weren't communicating the right way. Um, we weren't managing expectations the right way. We weren't being real with ourselves as to where the project was or what was possible. Um, I mean, that's usually where we've run into problems. And as, you know, the best way to solve a lot of those is, go earlier in the process and make sure that you're on the right track. And, you know, that's one of the things we've tried to impress upon the students is think really, really big, but provide a framework that they can just gradually think through that process and feel confidence as they go. You know, one of the things that we've run into, I think, the most is people not feeling like something's possible. And maybe it is just a giant leap of faith to say, well, I'm I'm just going to believe that it's possible until somebody actually says I can't. Um, but if you don't try, you're not going to move forward. And um, that's part of our role in Makokut is, is providing that example and, and, and making it very clear that these are all experiments and there are mm. things that don't work. Um, you know, we may find that this grant isn't the right fit or we can't find support for this partner. Or in some cases, we have trouble getting participation for in some of our cohorts. And it isn't the value of the program, it's trying to understand the dynamics of the community so that it is the right fit. And that's an ongoing, that's an ongoing uh, challenge for us. When you're working with high school students, uh, do you find that they have, are they like, oh, I could do anything, and they're super ready to get out there and go? Or do you mm -hmm. find that they're very timid and nervous? They're, it's very much the latter. Um, and I think that's, if there's one thing that's been really encouraging for us is to see these students start from a very intimidated phase from, you know, in some cases, a state where they, they don't really want to speak or participate, and through constant pushing um, in a supportive way, seeing their confidence come to life and see them engage and deliver to these adults who they're at the beginning you know, they don't have a lot of experience outside of maybe their teachers and their family. They're not engaging professional adults. It's just not something that high schoolers typically do. Um, to see those skills develop and their confidence, it's at the end of that that they start to think, I don't have the answers to everything, but now I have at least the beginning of a tool set that I can work on it. Now, we were talking before the show that um, the co-working aspect of Innovate 120 is something that is still under construction and is yep. going to be launching next year. Mm -hmm. um, can you can you talk a little bit about some of the, the future plans for Innovate 120, including the co-working, but yep. anything else that you also have coming up? Yeah, so to follow up uh, Aaron's comment, um, one of the additional things that have been a huge boost for us is uh, a lot of the resources in the county, ECIA, JCEA, probably other acronyms, uh, letting, you know, keeping us aware of what possibilities exist. So for rural America, there's a lot of federal grants that can be used um, to forward our mission. So in, in the case of the building, we had two grants. One was to restore the historic facade on the outside of the building, which looks amazing now. But the more important piece was a uh, federal grant 
to completely overhaul the inside. So we, we just had a meeting yesterday to embark on a construction project to put $600,000 in the interior, which means modernizing everything, creating, one, bringing the, the historic nature of the space back to life, but to put technology and collaboration equipment in spaces that truly put this space and the ability to use it on the level with anything else. So, you know, our, our theme for the whole project is feel the history, see the future. And I, th I think the building, when it's done, will send a really strong message to the community of what's possible. And in some cases for the youth, what's expected, you know, that, that they can do whatever they want um, and we can help them. I'm curious, why do you love what you do? Hmm. I love, you know, I, I've been in design my whole career, and it's always, the best part of it has always been learning about new topics. So for us to do our job well, we have to understand the subject matter, we have to understand the clients, we have to understand people, i.e. customers and users, um, and that the challenges that come from that are never-ending, and I feel like, you know, become a little smarter every day. Um, that's so th this project in Makokata is is part of that. It's figuring out how do these pieces fit together, um, what resources or resources are available for us uh, to help accomplish this mission. But at the end of the day, it's about raising the community. Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming in and, and chatting with us about this. Thank I'm you. really excited to see what what uh, what that space looks like when everything is done. Um, I'm a big fan of yeah. historic architecture. Yeah, so you're, you're, I'll let you know so you can come on over and we'll give you a tour. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, well, thanks for joining us, and uh, and hopefully we'll have you back again sometime soon. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much to our guest, Robert Abbott, for coming on the show. Uh, you can contact Robert at info at innovate120.org. You can find him on uh, Facebook if you just search for Innovate 120, and you can check out innovate120.org. If you love the show, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways summarized and detailed. This podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com. And finally, we sure would love it if you'd consider a donation to NuboCo. Your contributions to our nonprofit help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state of Iowa. To learn more, visit nubo.co slash donate. Well, hey, this was the season finale, Aaron. Thanks for uh, joining us. It's actually been a really good season of... Con I, I thought we've had some fantastic conversations uh, this time around. Yeah, for sure. You get, you've been doing such a great job with this podcast. I've really, truly enjoyed listening every Wednesday when it drops in my feed. I get excited. I listen to it right away. Uh, I'm biased, obviously, but I think you guys have done a fantastic job with it. And like I say, there is no shortage of future content to be had here in Iowa. So I'm excited for what comes next. Well, we've had a fantastic team working on it. I mean, we've had a number of staff members from Nubico all kind of serving as guest hosts this year, which has brought a lot of different perspectives to the table. Um, LAS has been fantastic with uh, putting these episodes together. So a big shout out to Logan. Absolutely. Booth. We're both looking at him and trying to make him feel embarrassed right now. Hi, thanks. Good fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know what's going to be in store for season three. We are, uh, we're going to take a couple months off, enjoy the holidays, and then come back strong. So, uh, so we'll, get, we'll get to looking at what we're going to bring you in uh, the year to come. And we're pretty excited about, uh, like you said, there's so many stories still to tell. Absolutely. But for now, thanks for joining us uh, for this episode and for this season. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Mm -hmm.